The opinions expressed in the following are those of its participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the producers and the Six Talk Podcast Network. Also, the following contains mature material and mild language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. And the podcast is now on the air. This is Anime Roundtable version 2, digest number 6 on this Friday evening, September 11th. 2020, lest we forget. Now, I remember last year we did an episode taped on September 11th as well. And Kevin and James were doing that episode with me. And we relayed a couple memories of of that day. And at the risk of sounding like a broken record, you can re-listen to our thoughts back then. I do, however, have one story today, and it doesn't really involve me, but it involves a friend in New York. Close enough that uh, we can consider this friend family. He put up on his social media today, or was it yesterday? relayed a story about driving to work on September 11th, 2001. As he put it, he was talking to the girl he loved while she was on her way to work while heading for the job he didn't. And in the distance, he saw a plume of smoke coming away from the World Trade Center. And his girlfriend at the time was closer to the vicinity and asked her what was more going on. And then as they were talking, a plane flew in to another building. It was the second plane. He quickly stuttered, asked, if she felt that, and she said, yeah, she could feel the impact and the heat, but she was otherwise fine, but really scared. All the while, he pulled over on the freeway. He was listening to Howard Stern, and he, in his story, he relayed, Howard Stern started to go crazy on the air. His girlfriend at the time had never been late for work. Where did she work, you ask? Seven World Trade Center. It's not the two main towers. If you know the story, you know that the Twin Towers weren't the only two buildings destroyed that day. The collapse of the North Tower, the second tower that came down that day, heavily impacted a building next door, Seven World Trade Center. And the impact eventually made it unstructurally sound, and the building ultimately collapsed in the late afternoon around 5 p.m., if memory serves me right. There were no deaths involving the the collapse of Seven World Trade Center, which is where my friend's girlfriend at the time was supposed to go. They're married now. But... Another story from that day.
Okay, there isn't too much to add tonight. Well, too much for me to add. Kevin Ng, Mohammed Shamarki, they're here tonight. I know Kevin would uh, ha- told a story last year. Mo, do you have a story to add? Not, not particularly. No? I mean, I was in the eighth grade when it happened. Nothing really happened, I guess. Okay. No, there isn't, as I said, it isn't too much to add. I know last year when we talked about it, we talked a lot about, you know, how as time goes, if you didn't have an emotional attachment to the events, and when I say that, it's more like you lost somebody or you were directly impacted in some form, but your memories of it just fade and blunt quite a bit. You respect what happened. But if nothing directly happened to you, it doesn't quite hit as hard, admittedly. And I guess that's... And I'm talking to somebody who has relatives in New York, and I'm pretty sure those relatives feel a lot different. But it just quietly goes for someone like myself. Okay. Let's lighten it up a little bit. First of all, this is a digest. Digest number six, as I said off the top, we're not really going to talk headlines this week, at least anime-related-wise. We're going to save that for our next regular episode next week when James joins us. James Austin, as you can probably guess now, because I didn't mention his name and we haven't done the attendance, he is not here tonight. He is all about the Toronto Raptors. As we are taping this, we are... Just over 20 minutes away from tip-off for Game 7 between the Toronto Raptors and the Boston Celtics in the finale of their second-round series, winner-take-all. And the winner moves on to the Eastern Conference Finals to face the Miami Heat, who pretty handily destroyed the Milwaukee Bucks in five games to secure their spot. Nobody expected Miami to be there. Everyone expected it was all about Milwaukee, but this is the this is the scenario we're looking at. So the winner of this match tonight between the Raptors and the Celtics get the heat. And James wants to put all his emotional energy into that tonight. So uh, we're not expecting him this evening. However, Kevin wanted to do this episode, and I'm not trying to put him on the spot, but I think what he suggested was an interesting, actually a good idea. As regular listeners have probably, or should know by now, doesn't mean they do, when we first talked with Kevin, when he first made his debut a couple years ago, we mentioned that Kevin is quite experienced with things like the Nomonoichi at Anime North, the secondhand garage sale flea market that happens on the Friday evenings. And in turn, he's done quite well at those, and he's become quite experienced at selling secondhand anime and manga memorabilia through things like the Nomonoichi and other little bazaars and garage sales that happen and online. And Kevin reminded me 
that I should be doing that. I yep, never, I have not hidden the fact that I have a collection that is clutterific at best. And there are a lot of parts in it that I would like to sell, but I've never gotten around to doing so. But frankly, I can't say I really know where to start. Personally, I've done the Nomono Ichi myself. That was in 2017, and then I failed two years in a row, 2018, 2019, to get in. And then everybody failed to get <laughs> to the Nomono Ichi this year. Actually, everybody failed to get to Anime North, period. Matter of fact, the world failed this year. Oh, God. Wait, I should get off my soapbox. Wait, what, what, what happened, Mike? What, what did we fail at? What's wrong? <laughs> Actually, 2020 is not over. We'll see how much it we, fail. We're failing at containing <laughs> COVID-19. <laughs> oh, my God. So, Kevin and I wanted to come on tonight and talk a little bit about that experience of selling secondhand stuff. And I want to impart his wisdom... And I make it sound like he's the older one, but I am asking him for advice on how to start selling items. And Kevin has seen bits and pieces of my collection. I think he's seen the list and he knows it's quite extensive and he knows there's a lot of potential in it. Yes, there is. Oh, and, and Mohammed's here for the ride just to listen in as well. But oh, we're yeah, gonna talk absolutely. I mean, I, I have my own box of stuff that I would like to get rid of one day, but... Like Mike, I, I don't think I can, I can ever take that that leap. <laughs> well, I don't. As I said, I don't know where to start. I can help you, Mohammed. I mean, I think we can't all be the aftermarket wizard like you, Kevin. No, no. He, I, okay. Sometimes all that is needed is just a push. In this case, it'll be off a cliff. Then you won't have it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, where do okay? Well, I'll tell. Let me quickly tell you one experience I had that failed miserably. At least trying to sell stuff online. Now, let me uh, reel back for a moment here. I did say I did do the Nomono Ichi back in 2017, and that went very well. I was happy with how it went. Maybe I sold one or two items under what I should have, but overall, I was happy with how that went. But that yeah, was I remember you doing fairly well. I, I was happy with it overall. As I said, there's maybe one or two items that looking back, maybe I would have tried to sell just for a little bit more, but that's just the way it goes sometimes. That gets lost in the mix. I'm sure you understand that feeling too, Kevin. Yes. But that's it. I've only tried to do eBay once to sell something. And that was a it's not anime related, but it was a Kickstarter version of the Pebble smartwatches that were popular, that made some waves almost 10 years ago. I think it was which, 2012. Which version was it, Mike? The first, second, or third? It was the Kickstarter. It was the very first Kickstarter. Wow. I had one sealed up in, I have one sealed up in the box. Tried to sell it. No, no one, no takers at all. The listing ended. And I know. Privately, Kevin, yesterday when we talked about it, you said it's outdated technology. In one sense, it's not really worth the trouble for a lot of buyers. But I'm wondering if the, if we can play on nostalgia and conversation pieces because we are talking about 
a sealed version of a of arguably the watch that that mainstreamed or popularized enough the smartwatch concept as in smartwatches that connect to your smartphones and ultimately led to the bridges for things like the Fitbits, the Apple Watches, the Android Gears and Samsung Gear Watches, etc. So if nothing else, I'd like to think I would have had a conversation piece. But who knows? It could still sell. I, I don't I'm not in one sense I'm not overly picky about how much it would end up selling for. I don't know. I just didn't know what I did wrong or and I know you don't know the details, Kevin, but things just take time to sell. Mm-hmm. I'd hold on to it. You, you, you first generation Kickstarter Pebble in like twenty years, that's gonna be worth like a hundred dollars. Yeah, I, I had a I okay. So a few days ago, or like maybe two weeks ago, I don't remember exactly. I had a Mario fragrance tag, like those things that you hang in your car. Oh, yes. I had that for, I had three of them. And I finally sold my last one two weeks ago. And that last one was there for probably a year and a half. So it's sometimes things take there. time. <laughs> so where do you want to start with your tips on this? I, I'm I'm going to look through your messages yesterday. I think, let me look at uh your messages yesterday and maybe I can, we can start at least where to talk here. So when it comes to my collection, so I, I have a lot of manga and I also do still purchase anime and video games and I don't play or consume nearly as much as I used to. Same here. Same here. So once a year, like twice a year, give or take, I, I'll go through my collection and then I tell myself, okay, do I still have any emotional attachment to this thing? Oh, you're going all Marie Kondo on me, aren't you? Well, it's true. Cause like if it's sitting there doing nothing and you, and you just, and you're, and you look back on, let's say, let's say I look back on, I don't know, deers. I can't believe I picked that example, but Let's say you like you have your DVD box set of Deers on your bookshelf, and you're like, you know, it was fun 15 years ago when I was into shitty romantic comedies, but you know, I don't feel the same way anymore. Get rid of it. Yeah. Why is I it there? That. I get that. I mean, I could say that about well, let me go through the collection again, I guess. And here's the other thing, uh, just going back to the whole, my, my own personal story, because I told you this last night, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Yes, I did go through the entire collection before the, before the Noma Noichi three years ago, cataloged it. Yes. You know, cataloged it in a, in a database program, right to T, its exact location, like the box it was late, the box, labeled box it was in. Uh-huh labeled box it was in but things kind of got messed up afterwards and i never got a chance to update all that so i'm probably going to have to redo a lot of that i recommend using google drive 
and entering those into either a Word document or an Excel document, like like the Google version of those. Because when you say, let's say you want to go to Reddit and you want to sell stuff through whatever subreddit that allows you to, you can then just link your list through your post. And then people can then go through your list and see what you have. If you really have that much stuff. Because some people mm-hmm. do do it that way. Some people will copy and paste their list onto the physical Reddit post itself. Other people will just link to their spreadsheet or their Word document that way. And you ha- uh-huh. and also you have to, you know, make sure you allow people to look at that document too, which you'll have to toggle in the options. See, this is me not really knowing any better. You just like go, it sounds like a whole batch thing. In a sense. Like you batch it all together in a single list that can be constantly updated. It depends on how you operate. You as in like, could be you, could be Muhammad, could be anybody. It depends on how you as a person wants to do it. So I try to take all my photos at once. If I have, if I procured, let's say 10 new items to sell, or I decided to prune 10 things out of my collection, because I'll admit, sometimes I do go on like eBay and Facebook marketplace and I'll buy things that I know are worth a lot that people don't realize. I'll I'll admit that Mm -hmm. because I have to pay my bills. So I'll just t- I'll take all the photos in one sitting, or I try my best to. Depends on how I feel that day. Then I will post all of them at once on whatever channel that I feel is most appropriate for. Okay. So let me give give a quick example of something, and then let's see what would you what would you suggest I go about trying to get rid of these? Okay. I'm gonna list. And these are actually here in the collection. Okay. Some PS1 games. Maybe rare, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe a collector could be looking for them. Okay. And then you I tell me what ready. I uh, And let's see what would you, you would suggest how I go about them. Okay. I'll list one game. Uh, it's related sequel and another game altogether, which I know not many would know about or not totally sure anybody would want but i don't think too many know about it there were two time crisis games that came out so i have the first time crisis it's a used copy with the gun con in the box interesting there was a sequel uh, a playstation one sequel to it the name of which i forgot i think i think i think it was called crisis course something to that effect Mm-hmm. And I have that. And seemingly, if I was going to try and sell time, time Crisis, I'd want to sell that as well. And for reference, I do have Time Crisis 2 and 3 as well. That's on PlayStation 2. Mm. The other game is Rival Schools. Oh. Which I know... I looked on eBay. I know that if you're lucky, you can get quite a bit out of it. I liked the game at the time. It was a nice conversation piece at the time. It had, I know it had a bit of a cult following. 
One sold today for $230 US. Mm -hmm. That's second hand. Mm -hmm. Two days ago, a sealed copy went for $400. Mm -hmm. So, yes. I, I was a fan of that game at the time. I only know that game because of uh, Kiyosuke. I think it's Kiyosuke is his name. The dude with the glasses and the white coat. Yes. The one hair, yeah. yeah. One of the main characters. Yeah. Because he's on. He's in Capcom versus SNK too, which is one of my favorite fighting games. So, suggestion. Just on the like, would we try and put them in a list on a Reddit, or is that worth an eBay? Both. Preferably a Reddit sale because you don't need to pay eBay 10%. Because eBay charges you 10% of the final price plus HST. 10% is the fee. So if you sell rival schools for 400 Canadian, you'll be docked $40 plus tax. Canadian tax for those who may not be in Canada is 13% in Ontario. So it's a, it's it would be a harmonized sales tax. We call it here. So, uh, yes. 44 to $45 in total. That includes your shipping too. So if you, let's say if you offer 400 and then you didn't charge shipping, then it's, then it's fine. If you say, oh, I, let's say if you were charging, I don't know, $20 for shipping because you wanted to pay for the insurance, which you would want to for a game of that price range, then you'd be docked the you'd be docked another two bucks for the shipping and then tax on the two bucks. So two twenty-six. Okay, so so two twenty-six. Okay, $2. so twenty-six cents for shipping. Twenty-six cents for shipping. Yeah. So they'll tax so they tax the they tax the fee. Um, yeah. Because the uh HST is on the fee. They did not in the past, but mm -hmm. because eBay has operations in Canada now, they couldn't dodge that any longer. So the so the tax so just to re just to recap right from the to this point because as I said, I'm learning on with you guys, both of you listeners out there. The HST would be strictly on the on the fee. Is it, yeah, am I correct? It wouldn't yeah. be on the it wouldn't be on the leftover whatever the sale price is. No. You if you're not a business, you don't need to charge tax to your buyers. If you're an incorporated business, then you should. Uh if you're selling to the United States, a lot of states have recently started uh charging tax on online purchases. Now eBay deals with all of that on their end. So while they'll pay the tax for whatever they're buying, you don't have to you as the seller don't have to worry about any of that. It's okay. eBay just handles all of that. So in some sense, services it's worth the services. Not always, but in some senses. It depends. Uh depends on who you talk to. eBay is very buyer friendly it's not nearly as friendly for sellers unless you do a lot of high volume unless okay. you're a high volume seller well we in this case that could that's where it could get interesting for someone like me as i said you've seen the collection you know what's in it kevin there's there's a lot of potential in it yes so 
there's a lot of anything can happen potential in it. Yeah, so, like I know one example. Uh, he, this will lead into my next point. Where let's say you've, let's say you did find, let's say you you already kept, you're keeping the things that have emotional attachment. What I will always then suggest is, do you know if it's going to get re-released soon? Whether or not they're putting, let's say you have the DVD and they're finally putting it on Blu-ray, or maybe it was a manga that was flipped ages ago and is finally getting unflipped like Akira or Ghost in the Shell some odd years ago. Or it's just getting an updated version like Maze on Ikoku. Mm-hmm. Or it's going to get reprinted like banana banana fish, which I I see I could have sold I could have sold my banana fish manga box manga set for probably I don't know four or five hundred bucks and I could have just bought the reprints but then I just I just got lazy to be honest. But uh, or, or or maybe or or maybe in my case let's go I'll use and I'll use the Kimigori Road Road example again because we've discussed that. I kept the, I kept the Animigo box set because I'm, it's, it's in my top five ever. Yeah, because so, I and it's like a, being a Star Wars fan, you'll buy in any format. Sorry, yeah, like you're because see, we're we're slightly different in that I would have when there's a media format change and I know that there's going to be a re-release or if I have a feeling there's going to be a re-release, I get rid of it. I I I usually don't want more than one copy of the same thing unless there's a compelling reason why so for me i will keep my five centimeters per second dvd from adb films because that's the only way you can consume the adb dub without pirating it because for whatever reason the people at comics wave don't like the adb dub and they redubbed it when it eventually did come back out years later i think it was with bandai was it with yeah. Bandai? It was with, uh, I think it was Bandai did put it out. I think it was a sub license at the time. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. It's been so for several years and I'm I don't want to look it up now. Uh now I believe it's um is it disc I don't think it's discotheque. I don't remember. But because it's not okay. on Blu-ray now, but uh but yeah, they there was a there was a new dub of it, which I believe it was a bang zoom dub. And which is mm-hmm. it's a decent dub, but I do prefer the ADV dub for five centimeters. So that's why I Bing will zoom, the Bing Zoom dub. did come out in the first re- re- release of Memory Surfing, right? So yeah, that was with Bandai, and that was the Bandai a Bandai sub license release. But yeah. I remember seeing the Bandai name associated with it. I I recall that too. Uh, my other example would be the Wings of Oniamis, where I do have the I have that Bandai Visual USA Blu-ray, but I do have that shitty DVD that Manga Entertainment put out years ago because there is yeah. an interview in that uh, in that DVD release where I don't think was in the Oniamis Bandai Visual Blu-ray release. Mm-hmm. I think the same. Re- I, I have both as well for reference. I actually bought the Blu-ray first, and then I found like, the manga copy for like five bucks at Nomenoichi or whatever. something like that okay so really on your take ebay or reddit or 
maybe Facebook. We can't go. Let, um, I would say like uh, I want to bring up Let Go just quickly, but that that actually ceased operations here in Canada last week. Yes, they. I think them and OfferUp merged. And OfferUp doesn't have Canadian operations at this point. Oh, interesting. And that's that's why uh, Let Go was Let Go. I was it, not a fan of Let Go. Hit and miss for my case. I I didn't have. I had mainly good experiences on it, but there was a couple dogs there too. I think it's okay as a buyer, as a seller, unless you just have like stuff you just don't want. Like I wouldn't put anything of real value on let go because you're gonna you're gonna get people trying to haggle you on let go. Like I feel especially on let go, people will try and haggle with you or lowball you. Mm-hmm. So what I happened? I didn't want to deal with let go because I don't I Would don't have say- a lot of stuff that I just want like I'm just like f it it's five bucks like I don't have a lot of that stuff. Kijiji, let me quickly go there. Kijiji's fine. Okay, I think Kijiji is. I don't know how many people use it nowadays, but I still get hits on Kijiji every so often from for stuff. I I actually would not discount Craigslist either. Sometimes, like, like not as I don't, I feel like, so I feel like Craigslist is still being used a lot in the U S I don't think it's used so much in Canada. I feel like people prefer Kijiji in Canada. That's just the impression I get, but Kijiji, if nothing else is better marketed here. I mean, they, they, they had those commercials a few years back. Yeah. And, And yes, I've completely forgot about Craigslist. But Kijiji, I remember. Well, first of all, is it still tied to eBay? Refresh my memory. Oh, I don't remember. Because I know, like they, they, it got broken up in some forms. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't Kijiji a part, like a like a subsidiary of, of eBay or something? It definitely was yeah, at one point. point. Yeah, yeah, it was at one point. But I, but I wonder if it got taken out in the storm. That also ended up. Well, it is part of eBay still. I just looked. Yeah, just double checked myself. Yeah. I was about to say PayPal because PayPal was part of eBay. It's not anymore. It's a separate thing. Yeah, that is the case. But my point was, Kijiji was better, was well marketed here. I mean, you kept seeing those commercials a few years back. I think you still see them. I think up until recently, maybe a, maybe until like last year, you did see the odd Kijiji commercial. So. It's the known commodity in Canada. It just made itself more aware. Craigslist doesn't have that marketing to me. As I said, what do I know sometimes? It's just it was never visible. So in many respects, it's forgotten. Mm-hmm. So Kijiji you'd be okay with, even though maybe it's not the most popular format the uh, popular form these days reddit seems to be big you seem to be big on and i didn't really think about that that. reddit's good for an international audience just like how ebay is okay and the good thing with reddit is that uh so what i neglected to mention when we were talking about ebay was that on top of the 10 percent that you're paying through ebay Unless you're with eBay managed payments, uh, you, you'd otherwise be using PayPal to accept money from people. And 
PayPal will also ding you 2.9 to 3.9 percent. Last time I checked, it might be 4.4 now. I haven't, I haven't really looked at the fee structure yeah. in a while. But PayPal's not allowed. When it comes to their fees, it's ridiculous. It's so it's, it's still high. it's still low, relatively speaking. But uh, it's so for let's say if you're selling to another person in Canada, it's 2.9 percent plus 30 cents. Hmm. So when let's say if you're selling on Reddit, then you would then you don't need well, you don't need to deal with eBay, you'd just be only dealing with PayPal unless you actually find a local buyer. Okay. So so red so PayPal would probably be the preferred system on Reddit. Yes. Uh so, so you just, just to make that clear. Yes. So because you're so what I do in most cases is that I will accept it as a goods and services transaction. So I set it up that way. So I will send somebody an invoice. Let's say like, you know, the, the price ends up being agreed on one way or another. They send me their email address. Mm -hmm. Then I will create an invoice on PayPal, send it back to them. And then they would go ahead and pay. And as a goods and services transaction, it means that the buyer has recourse if the postal service loses it, loses your package, or if it comes in damaged. Sort of an insurance. It's insurance for the buyer. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, like obviously no one likes to pay fees, but sometimes it's nice to give the buyer that little bit of reassurance and if you're and if you price your your items accordingly in theory you would work the fee into the price anyway if you had a price in mind okay that's a start oh okay let's put this out there now u.s dollar because we are obviously we're up here in toronto in canada Yes. The whole US dollar thing. And there's always complications about, you know, if you get paid, if you're a Canadian seller, you get paid in American, but you can't get it in American. I do. Convert it, but there's issues there. But I yeah. do. Well, I have a workaround. That's why. Yes, I know. You've mentioned the workaround, but that workaround may not, may or may not work these days, right? Yes. It, it kind of sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Like I remember when I first tried my workaround, it did not work, and then months later I tried again and it did work. And it's the only reason why I bank at Royal Bank. <laughs> I only have so to sum it up, you you would you would sign up for a specific Royal Bank US dollar savings account, which I don't remember the exact name then when you try to link your account, your, when you're trying to link, link your bank account with PayPal, you would then insert an American transfer number, which shouldn't work, but it did for me and for other people. It's a, it's a little bit of a loophole, which may or may not have been tightened in, recent, in, the, in time. Yeah, yeah. Kevin. 
What are your thoughts on crypto exchanges for this type of stuff? I have no experience on it. I don't see why not. If you really, if the person, if you know how to, if you, like, if you deal with cryptocurrency and the other person does, I don't see why not. But I don't claim to have real experience with that. I don't deal with cryptocurrency. Yeah, I, I have none either by my own admission. I mean, you have any uh, experience, Mo? Um, just, you know, just just a couple of bits here and there. But I mean, it always seems like that would be the safest route in regards to selling stuff. I mean, that's always the biggest hiccup when it comes to any online transaction, right? The the trust you put into the system uh, that everything's just going to work, right? The internet is can be quite. What's the word? Well, it can trip you up that's for sure. <laughs> it can trip you up. I can safely say that. Yeah, like, let's see. So I I had those fears too when I started. I first sold on eBay on 2012 because I actually got the, the, 25, the 25 years of eBay, blah, 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 where they tell you like when you first sold something or buy something. And yes, my first sale was Black Lagoon, the second barrage season two. Hey, oh, on, nice on June 20th. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I, I I think I sold it because it was worth a lot at the time. But in any case, uh, it was, you know, when you start off, it's really you sometimes you still don't know what you're doing. Like, I didn't have much of an idea of what I was doing. Like, I yeah, I looked I tried to look things up in advance. But, you know, you kind of fail along the way. And then you get to a point where you're just comfortable with how to do the process, so to speak. Sounds like most things in life, really. Yeah. It's one of those, you just do it. Hit the record button. That's what I had to say to myself two years ago when we started podcasting again. Or maybe back in 2006 when we podcasted, period. For sure. Started podcasting, period. As I said, the only thing I could think of right now is... The way I feel like I want to try for the first time is one item that whichever way it ends up going, I can live with its result. If it goes good, great. If it falters, eh, I won't be too upset. Yeah. That's why. That's why I brought up. That's why I brought up the the Pebble Watch because that was the item I felt that I had the feeling those feelings for. Yeah, and you know what? Put it back up. Try it again. First of well, all, I have I to find it. <laughs> I, know, I know what you said. I know what you you said, Mo. Hang on to it. It's for it's. I, I mean, that's only because it's like it's a first edition Kickstarter nostalgia thing. It's it's like having a classic iPod or something, right? Like, oh, by the way, I sold that. I had I had the last of the the last iPod click wheel before they rebranded it iPod Classic. I sold that last year, but I I sold it through Let Go. Yeah, but vintage vintage Apple products, you'd be surprised how much those go for. In fact, Something you'd be surprised how much Apple product boxes go for. There's a market for that. I the story of that, well, maybe I'll I'll pass that story along maybe another time and privately so that you can tell me how I ended up doing and I and nobody else will know. Because I don't because looking back on it, it may I may not have done great with it, but I was happy to have gotten rid of it. It just wasn't there. It just, I just had no use for it anymore. And none of this nostalgic thing, none of the nostalgic stuff came into my head looking at it. 
So, uh, so I was, uh, so I was okay with it, whatever I ended up selling for ultimately. And it was a local sale. I just don't know what, like the battery could have been failing for all I know. Too. Yeah. Like sometimes I always say, do your research. Mm-hmm. That's um, the, that's the key line. Like, the thing was do your research. The like, line I was looking at at the time, it was in the ballpark of what they were, what they might've been going for at the mm-hmm. time. So, yeah. which, but I think that that may or may not have changed. I, I should double check to see what those are, are now. And this is one of those things where I'll see it. If it's higher than what I, if it's higher now than what I sold it for about back then, I'm not in the mood to kick myself over it. Yeah. Right. Well, it's done. That, right. That because of that, but remember those, what was the, like, it wasn't sparking joy. That's, that's a thing. Right. So that's, you know, the, the item. But right now the focus would be something like that. And oh yeah. And, and I told you yesterday, Kevin, I have the, I have the Xeno saga trilogy from PS2, mm-hmm. but I never played, played through it. I have, I have three, but it's sealed up sitting beside one and two. I'm surprised those did not get re-released at this point. I know, but they're there. So, I mean, that's, that's a, that could be some potential right there. Yeah. I'm I'm looking at at my shelf. Sorry. I'd say so. Yeah. I have, well, it wasn't a great anime, but I had the whole box set for angel tales here too. (laughs) That was God awful. So, but I know people would be curious about that because it's, there are people. See, in the case of Zenosaga, mm-hmm. I would sell yours as, see, as, a, I as pre- a set. I prefer to sell them as a set, but like I'm looking at eBay now and Zenosaga, sealed Zenosagas go for, well, no, used Zenosagas go for like 200 bucks US. Mm-hmm. So imagine a th- uh, at least a three, well, at least one of them sealed. Right. Yeah. The the third one. I mean, we had this story. Like, remember the story from three years ago at the Nomi? I had the entire Tokyo Pop manga release of Welcome to the NHK. Yeah, I still thing. have that. I still do too. But I mentioned the Nomi, and I held and I held off on it. Ultimately, I didn't. But I was selling it completely as a set. But then people kept saying, well, are you just selling the last one? Are you just selling the last one? <laughs> yeah, that happens with me too. Uh, when I sold my Ayoriyoshi, when I sold my Ayoriyoshi manga set like years ago, and then I had this mm-hmm. one guy that I think he wanted volume 16. Specific. Specifically. Because that was one of the harder volumes to get. And then I know he came twice at two different years like asking me if I was willing to break it. I don't blame the man for trying. But, but no. 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 Nope. And, 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 and to any listeners out there who, will, who may or may not be curious, if and when I do sell Welcome to the NHK, it'll be the whole thing as a set. I would only... 
Sorry, finish. Sorry about that. No, I, uh, you would only, and I think I know where you're going with this. Go ahead, say it. I would only break a set if that last piece was at the end and if it really was worth that much money. So I'm thinking like Aura Battler done by volume 12 back in the day for the DVDs because mm-hmm. that thing commanded like 200 bucks. And then volume 11 would command like a hundred something bucks. Cause I remember seeing an auction where a guy did sell his Dunbine anime set in three different auctions. One auction containing volumes one through 10, one for volume 11 specifically, and one for volume 12 specifically. Cause the person did his research. So you, and he, and he did them as auctions. That was the other thing. Hmm, that's interesting. Cause I think it's the final volume of of NHK that's hard to find for people. The very last volume. Yeah, and and that's and you in most cases telling, I don't. From that story, you're telling me it might be worth trying. See, you could consider doing that for Zenosaga. I would say. Oh, the the that sealed copy of three. Yeah, you could consider breaking those up into two or three different auctions, or just two or three different listings for as a buy it now. Whereas with manga, I don't like to do that because it, in my mind, it can make the rest of your collection harder to sell, especially if it's just a random volume in the middle. Okay, so that theory may only work with disc media, not paper. Depends on if that one thing is truly so valuable on its own that that it's worth taking that chance on or uh like so for example i at one point had volumes 1 through 25 of the hayate the combat butler manga i sold those in chunks over the years because that that was an un well that still is an incomplete series in north america because it finally finished in japan so i would break off sets if it was the end chunk so if Mm -hmm. so in that example Someone bought volumes like 17 through 25. That I was okay with because that means I still have one through 16 to sell. Hmm. If I had, if I like let someone buy volumes four, six, and eight, then that would have just been a pain to sell. So basically, they had to be in order, like a, a proper group. I feel like that's the ideal way to go about it. Okay. In most cases. Mm. Well, how much do you want to continue talking about this? Because, you know, we only have so much time this evening. And I think this is the type of thing, personally, I have to digest. And then we can talk about it again in a future digest-like episode. But these are the type of things I, I have to digest and think about a little more. I yeah. Think the key thing is, start by taking inventory that might be the first big step yes so i think in your case mike i would start by just selling whatever is in your dwelling space right now because i can imagine that going all the way to the storage can feel a little daunting because i know that's where the bulk of your stuff is so you can start with what's in your room you can start with what's in the living room that's how that's how a lot of people start. Mm-hmm. 
So we'll just start with, well, the stuff I actually pointed out. And we didn't even talk about shipping, to be honest. That, uh, I guess something tells me that's another lesson. I guess to sum it up quickly is... and Or preview it more like it. <laughs> like, Canada Post sucks. They're expensive. Yes. If you're selling more than one one small book or one DVD, it's not it's not cheap. And those costs add up quickly. So you always need to find alternatives on how you send stuff. So sometimes, so I always tell people, get an, a Canada Post business account, so to speak. Because you like even you as an independent seller can sign up for this and it's free. And in most cases, you can get expedited shipping for almost the cost as regular post. Okay. Which will be faster and you get you have more insurance coverage. You want so if you're selling in the US, you and you live in the GTA or you live in like a a more populated area, then you want to know what Stalin Express or Chit Chat Express are. Cause if you want discounts to sell things to the US, those are usually your better bets. Or internationally. Sometimes you have to you know, look for boxes and sometimes you have to be creative with the box. That's something that I only learned a few weeks ago where you can alter the size of the box to save on shipping costs. Okay. Because sometimes cubic measurements are what is what drives the cost up, not the weight. It depends on what's depends on what shipping service you're using because different shipping services have different ways to determine the cost of things. There's different things you got to learn for shipping, for sure. There's a lot of variables there from what I could gather. Oh, boy. Lots to think about, though. But I guess I'll take your suggestion. Just start with the items here that you know you want to get rid of. And then learn from there. Yeah, and for me, I'll admit that it. I do find the whole process a little fun. Ah, well, you've done it for quite a while, too. It, it becomes like a bit of a side hobby in a sense. You know, sometimes I feel like it's more productive than just, you know, sitting on my ass watching TV or, you know, sitting on my ass and playing video games, which, you know. Well, that, that, that's that's the story of my pandemic, dude. <laughs> mind you, mind you, uh, all that ends up being topics on this show, too. Yeah. It's, it, not, it's not without merit, I guess. <laughs> like, it's a way to keep busy for me. And I feel a little more productive that way. And mm-hmm. and sometimes it's fun. I sometimes, like, looking me looking for stuff to sell can also be fun at times. I, I You are a driven character. I'll, I'll tell you that much. It's nice to be driven at times. I could, I should be driven in other ways, but you know, sometimes it's just nice to spend yeah. your time in a in a way that you wouldn't expect it to be. Well, it's a it's a fair statement. I spent and, my pandemic reading books. I I I finally was reading things in my manga collection, but I'll admit I did prioritize shorter series because I wanted to see if I wanted to keep them or not, and then if not, then I sold them. Ah, you, rolled it, you rolled it all together. Well, whereas in my case, I was consuming items, but they ended up being long topics on this show. <laughs> and 
but on top of that, they had me thinking about certain things. I mean, I, I make the joke about Yakuza constantly, but it has been a reflection of certain aspects of Japanese culture. And trust me, trust me, I think it has me has my mind spinning as I read a book like Pure Invention by Matt Alt. Because mm-hmm. we, we are going to be talking about that in a future episode, trust me. Or, or when I read Underground by Haruki Murakami, and that's about talking with victims of the sarin gas attack, and then in turn talking with members of Om Shinrikyo, present and past, and former members who had nothing to do with the, the gas attack and their views on what happened. Mm. But then that ends up rolling into views on Japanese society in general and how they look at themselves and how these type of events end up shaping Japanese society for one and it's pop culture which was the subject of one of the anime anime north mo uh, moe panels that happened back in July yeah right so mm-hmm. i i i'm like this is how i'm looking at all the reading i've done and for reference these are things i hadn't done in a long time because i've been so busy and I, I've been so busy with work, which was brought up for the first time in the Space Eater chat episode with Angela last week. So mm-hmm. I, I so over the over this pandemic, I've been doing things that I hadn't done in years. I've like read a lot of books. I've played a, a full video game through, and I'm partway through another. I hadn't done that in a decade. Watched a few anime series, some that. I've been dying to watch for a long time. Others that I, others have introduced to me. As I said, I, I'm forever grateful to Jesse Betteridge for introducing me to Wave Listen to Me. Mm. That was a lot of fun. First time I came close to binge watching anything in a long time. So that's how I justify it all. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm doing this. Oh, I remember my first memory of binging something for the first time in a long time. Oh, my first binge was, by the way, Ranma. Oh, wow. Because a friend lent me his VCR copies of the dubs, which was, which was like, you know, pirated. But, (laughs) and I just sat there all night watching as much as I can. Literally dozens, a dozen episodes that night, I believe. Uh Anyway, it was about it was about to. Oh, now I lost my train of thought. It's. I think that's about it, right? Well, uh, well, as I said, I'm just justifying uh, or explaining. I'm doing this now. I know, now I remember the thought. I'm putting myself through this for the benefit of our single digit number of listeners. Okay, I, I guess I would want to say two last things about this whole topic well, on, on the subject on this topic, and then we'll. Let's start to yeah. close it out. Maybe preview a preview the next regular episode. Be proactive and be willing to adapt. So, so to be specific, uh, so sometimes I've I've stole things because I would be on whatever subreddit, and maybe I didn't get around to posting my thing yet, and I see something somebody wanting 
what I have. And then I will proactively ask them, Hey, I have this. I'm willing to sell it for X price. And when I mean being willing to adapt, sometimes you just have to lower your price. Sometimes you'll have to raise your price. Sometimes you'll have to adjust something in your listings because maybe you realized, oh crap, that thing costs more in shipping than I thought. And by the way, you should always know how much your shipping will cost so that you don't get burned later. That's something that I still have to do once in a while. I yeah, still make a mistake on occasion. Thing from uh from Angela about her Kickstarter. Yes. Yeah, there was a question on that, right, in the comments. No, she she had to adjust it because of the shipping for the U.S. It's it's like everyone was mentioning. People don't put shipping into account when they're shipping to the U.S. and whatnot. And it's like ah, uh, prices. Well, the whole adapting thing is goes without saying. That's sort of society these days. Yeah, like right? I finally sold Love Hina. That took like three, four years, and that took the original. Yeah, I had the perfect edition with the with the with the two movies. So with Love Hina again, and the yeah the the spring and winter specials, and I had and, I very first one, so. and I had Yuasakawa sign it. I it took years. I I sold it this week finally because I was willing to. Lower. I was willing to let someone haggle me to a price, to a certain price. Okay. So sometimes you get to a point where you're like, "Do I really? Am I really going to lose a sale over ten dollars or five dollars?" Yeah, that's true. You have to think about too, because sometimes just the sometimes you may not always get what you want for an item, especially if it's something that you don't really know what the price is for, but. Sometimes it's it's better to just get rid of it because having twenty dollars or forty dollars is better than having zero dollars. Okay, that's a start. Yeah, you know, and and I always look for I guess different avenues. To that end, do not be shocked if we feature one item that is for sale here every so often. <laughs> that might be an idea. You know, what do you think? If there's an item that we think should be featured on this show that uh, that will be for sale you know instagram's worth a look actually now that i think about it because mm -hmm. so many people use it a lot of people oh, okay. call clothing through instagram that's true actually I, I i'm aware of that okay you keep mentioning reddits is do you know what reddit to look up in your case for physical media like your anime and your manga i would go to manga swap so r slash manga swap mm-hmm uh, most people mostly sell manga in there, but there is people do sell anime there as well. Uh, there's, I think, for video games, there's, I think it's r slash game sale, if I'm not mistaken. Game swap is if you're just willing to trade. That's if I'm gonna just quickly double check this. All right. Well, and then we'll, as I said, this is going to be an ongoing conversation. So. I know for myself, there are things I did miss. I can re-listen to this, but I get the feeling we'll talk about it again, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's r slash game sale if you want to sell your video games. Okay, excellent. And as I said, those are all starts. And you and you usually want to sell in the U.S. Yeah, that's a probably a key thing. Because even if you don't have the loophole like I do, there, and TD may actually have a proper way of having that set up nowadays too i haven't looked into it but even when you lose out on both on trends on conversion both ways you'll usually get more in the end 
Oh, because of the fact it's in the U.S.? Yeah. Okay. Because it's still around 30% yeah. conversion. Something conversion rate's around 30% more after the fact. Okay. Give or take. <laughs> All right. As I said, this is something I know we're going to come back to in, at some point in various forms. So... Personally, I, I'm glad you dragged me out to do this one, Kevin. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, so, and as I said, we'll we'll talk more privately about this as I uh, as we start to uncover things again in the in the catacombs here. Christmas is coming. Yes, it is. So, in the best times to get rid of stuff. Probably, I should. Uh, so, in my case, and maybe for other listen our listeners out there, yeah, uh, do it. They start digging. <laughs> Chances are you have time to. <laughs> okay. Let's start previewing other things to come in future episodes of the roundtable. Or maybe look back a little bit. Did you did either of you listen to the Space Heater chat debut last week? I did. Yes. I, did. I actually started uh her, her Kickstarter. You you donate you do donate as well, Mo. Yep, yep. Okay. I, I also recommend everyone listening, all all single digit numbers of you out there, to also contribute. It's a great piece of work. Uh, yeah. Well, Angela's this, and I'm going to ask Angela about this uh, next time we speak. Neil cued me in that she has actually been involved in making art for other Kickstarter projects. And actually, one of those he just got earlier this week, Neil told me. Neil's going to, Neil and and Jeff are, are set to do the Space Eater chats sometime in the near future as well. Nice. So that's something to look forward to. And then I think in the process, they may be rolled back into the roundtable rotations as well. But but that those are conversations I hope the listeners are looking forward to. I think uh, I, I'd like to think people enjoyed hearing from Angela again, just to see what she's been up to. I know, I know. I uh, personally, I enjoyed uh, talking to her. It had been a, a very long time since we chatted in any real form, so that was appreciated. So, Angela, if you're listening to this one, thank you, thank you. That was a treat to do. I guess let's look ahead to next week. Around this point next week, we'll be in the home stretch of TIFF. The Toronto International Film Festival did begin today, I think, or was it yesterday? It was yesterday. It was yesterday. And in, yes, it's a hybrid affair, as the saying goes. Uh, Mohammed is, as you, many of you know from last year, he's our regular. He's the resident TIFF guy. He He's a regular there. He was able to sneak James and Kevin in to see Weathering With You and Makoto Shinkai's appearance at that screening. Well, less sneaking and more assisting, really. Which I'm still very yeah, grateful no, for, Mohammed. <laughs> no, no problem. It's just, it's just so wild. This would have been my eighth TIFF this year, and now... Okay. Well, oh, wow. first of all, give a thought. Give a thought on what you see about it with TIFF this year. From my, my understanding, the lineup, like the lineup uh, in the past has been, what, the better part of 300 films, and now we're looking at... 50. 50. 
something, yeah. right? Wow. Oh. <laughs> it's so small. Well, give me a thought. Give me uh, your impressions of it, like right now, and then I'll, I'll, and then we maybe we can talk more about it next week. I mean, I still haven't viewed any of the films yet. I'm gonna. I'm planning on watching a couple in the next week. I'm looking forward to seeing how their digital system works. Not going to venture out to any of the screenings because there's only a handful of them, and I don't want to. I don't know. I just don't want to risk that. <laughs> and and well, well, there's a risk. And you've been to movie theaters recently. I know. It's so right? weird, right? <laughs> you, you went to see uh, what was what was the movie? Tenant. The, the only movie out, Tenant. <laughs> yeah, the only movie out. That's good. <laughs> and and for reference, oh, and on that topic, um, uh, wanting to see movies, just uh, just to go back to the uh, Space Eater chat episode, James did pass along information concerning. Was it that abyss one? The, the winds yeah, made in, made in abyss. There you go. Yeah, made in abyss. Yeah. He did pass on information, and uh, that's been forwarded to Angela, and maybe we'll put that up here as well. Although uh, she, I think she's more interested in watching it online as well. Okay, let's continue with this. I'm not going to ask for names right now because we're well there, over there, an hour. There is there is a kind of cool that I'm going to be watching. It's a it's a Japanese one. Ex Yakuza gets out of jail, has to readjust to life as a middle aged ex Yakuza dude. Uh, it's pretty cool. What's it called? Uh, shoot. You know what's funny? I know the name. I just can't off the top of my head. Let me give me a second. <laughs> if it's Way of the House Husband, this recording's over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Come on. Oh, Under the Open Sky. There you go. I knew that. Okay. It's a drama, though, right? Oh, I'm yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's, it's it I mean from the description, it seems hilarious. He spent 13 years in jail for murder, gets out and has to adjust to the new normal. <laughs> I'll put the link. Probably in not, yeah, it sounds it's, just just on that alone, it sounds like yeah, it sounds like the video game I'm playing. <laughs> not even close, but that was that scenario. Like, what's your take on the virtual? And I I mean we'll talk about it a little more next time because I haven't experienced it yet. I'm just I want to give, I guess, a shout out to them because people keep forgetting this. Tip isn't like a company company. Tip's a it's a nonprofit. Like they're not making money off of doing tip, right? Mm -hmm. So their main source of revenue, which is the annual festival and the, their movie system, has all been uprooted because of COVID. So they're like, and they had to let go of a ton of staff and people. It's it's one of those things where like uh, what they had to overcome this year just to put on a festival should be applauded. I mean, the fact that there is a festival at all this year should be applauded. Should it happen? I don't know. Maybe not. But, you know, we'll see. <laughs> it's also a big part of the business. Festivals are also where distribution deals are made. That That's one thing I will give them major props for. The fact that they split the festival up into, like, two, like, sections. Uh, they have, like, the pro version, which is for, like, people who come to the festival to buy films. And then, like, the normal consumer digital side where Joe Schmo can just log on, pay the... The prices actually aren't that bad. It's, like, 20 bucks, 30 bucks to see a movie. Uh, they have a whole 24-hour... That's just uh, normally cost, though. Yeah, which, which I don't understand. Like, like, yeah, a normal ticket for a TIFF movie is about $20, $30. And a digital ticket is $20, $30. I mean... And people are up in arms. Uh, not really, because I think because because of the way 
the way they're doing it. Like, for instance, Mulan came out last week. and that Oh, was no, crazy. I know, because people are up in arms sometimes about Mulan for various reasons. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, okay, okay, well, okay. Let's talk okay. strictly on the we're, price thing. Let's okay, just we're, strictly we're talk talking, about the price thing. We're, so in, in Canada, it's $35, and you have to be subscribed to Disney+. Plus. You know, right. I, I, I will say for the Fuck whole Mulan that. thing, if, if anyone Fuck that, paid sure. for that, like legit went out and gave Disney like money for that. Come on, guys. <laughs> Come on. I think the holdout is that it will start to make its way to other me- other forms, like at the end of the month or something. Yeah, they said, December, December. They said December or something, but even then, well, like, like it's not it's it's a typical window, really. And and you know what? I get why. Like you know they they need to recoup the cost of that movie now that not nearly as many people are going to watch it in theaters. I understand. If I was a major movie like or major company like Disney or Warner Brothers or something, I would just put everything on hold. I mean, they're pushing Wonder Woman back to December. Just, just put everything on indefinite hold. No movies in 2020. We'll all push everything back to say middle 2021, maybe 2022. I mean, just wait. Like, there's no shame in just shelving it and having a wait. I think the only thing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it, it, I mean, it's it's so funny. There was this tweet that went around saying how the new Dune trailer came out and how awesome it looked and how great it's going to be and how it's going to make an awesome $15 million. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a movie that costs $200 million to make that would have normally easily grossed $100 million opening weekend. It's like, it's a little bit ridiculous, but it's funny. <laughs> That's a, that's a good joke, actually. That's a pretty good joke. I, I'm not taking credit. Twitter, that's a Twitter joke. I will give that credit to Twitter and Twitter alone. And if you can find the tweet itself, we'll put it up. Which you can't right now, right? <laughs> I have friends that are going to bootleg Mulan. When, as soon yeah. as they're able to bootleg it, they will. If not already. Yeah, whatever. I mean, I, I guess personally Mulan... I, I guess I have my watching to do. It's not in Mulan right now. And for reference, I mentioned to Mohammed before the last episodes we taped, Ready Player One was about to come off of Netflix, and I want to watch that before it expired, which was in the first second day in September, so about nine days ago, which is a tour de force, by the way. It was enjoyable. And, and funny enough, a few days before that, Amazon has weekly Kindle sales. Ready Player One was available for one day that Sunday for three bucks. Uh, I'm 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 pretty satisfied. Although I have to say this about its star. Its star is Ty Sheridan of X Men fame. Yes, he he played Cyclops. I, I there th- this guy seems to just have a habit of having <laughs> half his face covered. That is good. That's good. That's good. It's just, that's what, it's just, that's, that's the first thing that comes, comes out to mind when I think Ty Sheridan right now. And I know, that's just I, I, Kevin, have you seen Ready Player One yet? I haven't. Uh, I remember that coming out when I was working at EB Games, and my coworkers did not take too kindly to that film, and I know at least a couple of them had seen it. So I had no real interest in it. Mm-hmm. Like it was cool well, seeing all the references and the commercials, 
because they well, play that commercial in my store constantly. But, but you know, I feel like I would, you know, if you had dragged me to go see it, I'd still watch it, and I would probably still find it entertaining. But I just had no real mm-hmm. inclination otherwise. I will say I enjoyed it. Not exactly the most plot-heavy, character-developing type movie, but visuals were great. The references to the 80s were great. Since that was my, since that's when I was growing up. And, and just for reference, the, even it, it kept going right up Dude, until the, the end ending, of those references. The ending battle, the end battle. So. Oh yeah. That was the good. reference does not get overwhelming Lots after a while. It's well, it did. It, it advertised itself as being as a, as yeah, like, bang, bang, Kevin, bang, bang, think bang, of it like this someone's in the lightly punching in your arm for like an hour. After a while, you kind of forget, but then every so often, he takes a right hook to your face, so you feel that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how would so, in terms of references, how would you compare it to say Rick and Ralph? Uh, oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. I mean, I, I'm on par, I guess. I mean, maybe more, maybe more so. Actually, definitely more so. Actually. Record Ralph was kind of um, subtle with his references, I guess. <laughs> Ready Player One is not. And I realize, and for reference, there's also a, now I realized, you know, since Netflix will come up with recommendations right after, there's a documentary on Netflix, High Score, on the whole video game industry, which, which will be a watch for me in the near future. I have to also say this, uh, as a Torontonian, or a gta or the closing theme song, the closing credits song Rush. for Ready Player One was Holland Oates. Well, Rush. Holland Oates, You Make Me Dream, was the started off the closing credits, right? Which, for the last couple of years, has also been the goal celebration song for the Toronto Maple Leafs, which meant you didn't hear it much this oh. song. You know, you know, speaking about the leaves, I like how you added that little bit at the very end of one of the last few episodes when you mentioned the leaves. Uh, <laughs> like, oh, because you added that like uh, after the fact, post recording, I would imagine, or post production. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah oh. Like, you had a little leaf bit. I was like, oh, that hurt. Yeah, well, I say that a lot. Well, I'll, I'll say this much as we finish up this evening. I'll check out the Raptors game as well and see how how the collective heartbeats and Actually, Mike, anxieties I, I of the city are going. I believe you and Kevin are in the rare position where all you need to do is open up a window in like three hours and you'll know the answer. <laughs> well, I'm not in St. James, uh, just for reference. Well... If you have any questions or comments, especially after Kevin's little lesson tonight, animeroundtable at gmail.com is our email address. You can contact us on Instagram and Twitter at animeroundtable. Animeroundtable.com is our show archive, mainly. It is our website. We do put show notes there as well. 
chances are the Reddit links will be mentioned. Or now that I've mentioned it, I am obliged. We do have a Discord. We haven't used it yet, but I get the feeling maybe we're looking for excuses just to keep expanding this this podcast's footprint in whatever form. It's getting to that point. Kevin Mull, thanks for the time. You're welcome. Uh, Kevin, I'll report to you as to how the how this type of stuff goes. Sure thing. Mo, I'll re- expect your report full report next week concerning TIFF. At least I'll do that. And uh, we may have to resuscitate James, depending on what happens tonight. Oh, you know what I just found out? Oh, uh, last thing before we go. Uh, the, the, the Toronto Japanese Film Festival is going to happen in this fall, actually. But oh it, yes, that's right. What's the dates? Uh, let's see. It's this October, from the looks of it. Okay. See, I, I saw the list. Um, I wish Wotokoi was there for starters. Yeah. Like, I, I, yeah. I, I certainly would go out of my way to see that. And I and haven't. It's all online that. too. It looks huh? like it's going entirely online. Yeah. That that that's. Well, they, they kind of experimented with it to some degree mm. over the past few months with some of the anime features they that the, the JCCC linked into. I so see. That's something to look forward to. Anyway, that's pretty much all we got for this digest. Thanks a lot for listening, and join us again next time.